0: Hey, welcome back to the latest United Pubcast and joined, as always, by Larry. Now, Larry, I have been following your social media and I've seen that you have got the COVID vaccination. So I'm just wondering how you're feeling and um, you still got all your toes or have you added any toes to the
1: to the, your feet? No, mate. No, I didn't become Scouse. Is that what you're insinuating?
0: Well, I don't know. i was just, just concerned for your health um, because I'm obviously in line to get my vaccination. So just wondering... Um, if I've got any surprises in store.
1: No, mate. Um, look, I've got to be honest. I took the jab um, after some reservations, but I'm, I'm feeling good, actually. I'm a little bit sluggish, so I might be slower than usual, but I'll try and keep up at your fast pace, Tom.
0: Well, n- nicely goes into the next topic because this is obviously a player which I do like, and for this podcast, we will go on... Because there's not much football. I know the Euros are on, but there's still kind of that feeling that there's without United, there's not too much football so we just sort of put a few or a post up on Facebook and Twitter for our listeners to get their questions in. So I think for this podcast, we'll just answer a lot of those questions, and I'm sure it'll sort of generate a lot of discussion and sort of sort of move on from question to question. But the first one, which is a bit of a topic, um, which was debated on Twitter over the last couple of days, almost stemming from the uh, Nikki Butts comments, it was regarding Declan Rice and Scott McTominay. Now, obviously, both in the news, because Scotland played England, and we can get into that game in a little bit, I think, in terms of the fallout of that game. But in regards to the topic of McTominay and Rice, Nicky Butt came out and was, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it was along the lines of, um, I think United's midfield is fine, there's been a lot of talk about Declan Rice, but is he any better than Scott McTominay? I'm not sure. Now, I'll I'll get sort of my thoughts across, but I'll go to you first, just on Nicky Butt's comments and the sort of... That dynamic around, is Declan Rice worth... Is is he worth what it's going to cost? And is he better than Scott McTominay? Obviously, they are different type of players, but they are kind of... I don't know if it's it's a British thing and they're both tall, kind of play at the back, kind of play in midfield, that type of player. If it's mm-hmm. a lazy comparison, but they are always compared. And obviously, they had the England v
1: Scotland battle on yeah, a couple of days ago. Yeah, look, I think they're different footballers. Um, I don't like the comparisons, to be honest. And I, I think it is what you're saying, Tom. I think there's a lot of. They're both six foot three, six foot four, both big lads, um, both British, and I think that's really all it is. Um, I think Declan Rice is probably the better footballer. Um, but I think they play different and occupy different positions on the pitch. I think Deacon Rice is your traditional number six. He sits deep or can even play as a... Some qualities to play as a centre-back. I think McTominay is more your box-to-box midfield. I can actually contribute with a few goals, which we saw for United this season. So I think it's, it is a lazy comparison. I think McTominay's got the potential to play in that deeper position, but it's probably more as a... I hate to be lazy, but more of a destroyer in the sense I could see him reading the play because he does read the play quite well. He's a quite physical player, so I think if McTominay was to do that, that's the I think that's the way he'd occupy a sixth position. He'd need a transition into that, but they are they are quite different. Both players still have quite a ceiling to go. If you had to ask me who has the higher ceiling at the moment, I'd probably lean toward Decl- Declan Rice.
0: But if you're going to sign Declan Rice, look, who knows what the transfer fee with? Transfer fee would be I'm sure a lot of United fans would say Try and get him for 50 or 60 million But if sort of the transfer Sort of business continues As it has done over recent years Especially for England players I'm probably looking at In my opinion He's definitely not worth this but I think you'd be going for ninety or hundred million. Yeah, I wouldn't. In not way. in
1: a not in a million years would I pay that
0: for Declan Rice.
1: For me, if well, if you
0: if that's what he's going to cost, though, I'm thinking, well, get
1: Ruben Diaz though. Like you want to talk about footballers, and that's the thing. Like, why are we getting stuck into this narrow-minded? Oh, he's English. Like, we don't have to sign an English footballer for Christ's sake. Ruben Neves is a deep-lying playmaker, and I think if you're going to look at United, and let me ask you, Tom, who makes United a better footballing side? If you look at what the problems are in terms of playing football from deep. Who who helps United transition from the back better is that Declan Rice or is that Ruben Neves? who's going to cost you about a third of the price that the Englishman would.
0: Yeah, well, there's no doubt from a football point of view, especially in terms of the way I want the game played. In terms of that number six position, is um it's definitely a player like a Ruben Neves. I, I saw this morning um Verratti for Italy had his first game of the tournament, and what a footballer! Just, I'll sign him over uh, anyone. Unbelievable. And his name, look, we're definitely not going to sign him. Well, I don't think we're going to sign him, but his name's not really sort of bandied about. I'll chip $5
1: in myself to get Variety. Bloody
0: hell. But if there was one player, it's in that type of mould where, okay, you do have that defensive aspect to your game and those attributes, but when you get on the ball, you can dictate play. So um, that is definitely the type of player that I would be looking for in that role. But if it came to a shootout between Declan Rice and Scott McTominay, I understand and agree that the position for Scott McTominay is more a box-to-box role rather than a defensive side of things which Declan Rice might bring. But I'd still rather, let's say I value Scott McTominay's defensive midfield role as a £20 million player. I'll take that £20 million player over what Declan Rice brings to that role for £80 million.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And that's the thing. I think the gap between the two isn't vast enough to justify £100 million for Declan Rice. And if you actually took... You know what? Take United out of the picture. If you actually just close your eyes, picture the two players and say to me, who would you rather take? You know what? I I don't care if I'm disagreed with on this. I'd probably take Scott. I really would. Because I think what Scott actually brings to a team in terms of leadership, like you want to talk about a player who's got the right characteristics. And that's not to say Declan Rice doesn't. Naturally, he plays in a more inferior team and there's something to be said about that. But I think McTominay has displayed... Since his debut, really, that he's got a really mature head on his shoulders. And McTominay, like for me, he's just. We spoke about it when we did our um, our season review. Season on season, if you follow McTominay's trajectory, I actually think he's got the potential to not, not necessarily be a world class player, but you could see him occupying a starting 11 spot for United. I think the gap between the two isn't vast enough. Now, if you're telling me Scott McTominay or Verratti, now, that's a different conversation. To your point, if if we are going to talk about replacing someone or getting getting into this debate, you need to talk about replacing Scott with someone who's absolutely, undoubtedly world-class. I don't think Declan Rice is there, even if he has the potential to do it.
0: Yeah, no, definitely very well said. And obviously, Declan Rice is a Chelsea fan. and he, I think he, from all reports, he's quite desperate to join Chelsea. Um, so it'll be interesting how that plays out in terms of does he really fit in the Chelsea team with the way they play? And the new manager, so it will be interesting But we'll go on to, that was just the first topic But now we'll go on to sort of all the questions sent in To the Facebook page and the Twitter page And we'll start with Ian from over in Perth And I'll throw this question to you, Larry says If a player performs in the Euros in a different role, position or style of play Do you think Oli would be influenced by that for next season? I'm just looking at that, I don't want to We just touched on Scott McTominay for five minutes I don't want to sort of go into Scott McTominay and him playing at the back but I think Ian means that kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Is there another player? Is um, is there another player playing in a different role, or is it only Scott McDomine? Oh,
1: I think it's only Scott. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. No, Bruno. Well, I mean, Freddy Bruno's Freddy, Freddy playing in the eight.
0: America. I haven't seen the Cop America, but apparently he's playing a more advanced role. And would you see that? In in my opinion, in the question that Ian is asking, would Ollie be influenced by that? I don't think so. I would. I would in my opinion, I would hope not. But, however, I would be saying, well, he does have to take all that evidence and all the sort of data sort of that he has at hand. He has to take it into consideration. And if he does see someone saying... Or if he does see a player performing well in a different role, obviously don't change the whole game plan of Man United. Mm. But it is something worth considering.
1: Oh, yeah, naturally. But I'd also argue does Scott McTominay play in defense for Scotland because Scott McTominay is a good defender or is it because of the lack of defensive enforcements that Scotland has? So you need to take that perception with a grain of salt. Look, You can always, of course, assess anything. Like if if a player goes, like I'm just trying to think of a very extreme but opposite example. James Rodriguez. He was playing for AS Monaco. He goes to the World Cup, absolutely blitz it. Real Madrid then sign him. While it's not talking about the position, it does show that with a when a player does produce something that is majestic out of a football tournament on a large stage, such as a Euros or World Cup, people do stand up and take notice. If Scott McTominay took you know, comes to the Euros, Scotland make the final sixteen and Scott McTominay contributes with um, eight goal involvements, yeah. That's something that Ole Gunnar I should take note of Because while he might have an idea Of what the Scotsman is good for He's also he Shouldn't be stubborn or naive enough to think The way he sees a player Is the only way he can fit in If if Fred goes on to Brazil and scores 8 goals Well bloody hell Fred's corrected me I, I've, I consider him incapable of Looking at the net let alone putting the ball In the back of it But if he goes and plays an advanced role for Brazil And contributes then sure It's something we should take note of Long story short to answer Ian's question, you observe, but I think you should also look at the team you have at the end of the day, and that's how you should assess the footballer.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And moving on now to, obviously, Rob, another listener of the podcast and host of the IFT podcast. Um, Euros theme, um, continuing on the Euros theme. Has any player from the Euros caught your eye that you'd like to see at United? And I will go first and... It's one which I've just touched on, um, Verratti. I think he, he he didn't play the first two games for memory. He only played his first game against Wales, and obviously he's quite well known, so it's not a real sort of dark horse or a really big shout. But yeah, if there's one player that does catch my every time he plays, especially in regards to what I want from a United player or a United transfer, it's Varadi. Uh, I think he he just he suits what we need absolutely perfectly, both from a defensive aspect but also from an attacking point of view in that area of the pitch. But I'll just throw it to you. I know you're obviously a big fan of Varadhi as well, but is there anyone else around the Euro 2020 who has caught the eye?
1: Yeah, sticking on the Italians, um, I was going to say Locatelli looked really good. Um, Also another midfield player, one who I think people rave over because they like his potential on FIFA career mode. But what he's actually produced at the Euros has been really good. And I think they've been a really solid midfield partnership. Um, yeah, he, he's, looked, he's looked really good. And the other thing with uh, Locatelli is a young player. Um, I think Verratti, like, look, if you told me, is there a player who you'd love United to sign? Like, man, Verratti ticks all the all the boxes, doesn't he? Do you think, I, I don't want to go too left field with the podcast on, but do you think Verratti would struggle in the Premier League for, just for his size? Or do you think he's just one of those, like, a Paul Scholes in the sense, yes, I, I know that, that they're different footballers, but where the football mind is so far superior to anyone he comes up against that his size really doesn't come into play here. Yeah, it's
0: a tricky one. i would refer it to Thiago from Liverpool, one of my favourite players, obviously before he joined Liverpool, now I hate the guy, but Thiago has been one of my favourite players for the last decade because he's phenomenal. Mm. But he came to Liverpool and I don't think much changed in his game, but we, we look at the season Thiago had we almost we all sort of say unanimously that he flopped. He wasn't a good signing, but I just look at it. Well, he, it wasn't that he was a bad signing. He's just he's playing a different game. Liverpool have played a different game over the last three or four years, and suddenly they put. I don't want to say a better player. In my opinion, I would say a better player. Mm. They put a better player in there, who was just playing a different game. If now if Virati came to the Premier League, would that game work? <laughs> I think yes, it would. But it, it would um it would take having good players around him. He couldn't play in there. And while I'm a huge fan of Scott McTominay, I wouldn't play him in a midfield three with Fred and McTominay and Verratti. I don't think that would work. It would have to be in a midfield where he is playing with Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. Now, that is an obvious thing. It's an obvious thing to say, oh, playing with our best players, of course. But um, at his stage in his career, I think it would be not a risk, but um, it's a hard one. When you see what did happen with Thiago. Um, it had to be it would have to be thought out very carefully and the player would have to be properly motivated he couldn't be coming in and say oh, I'm coming in for a paycheck you have to come in with something to prove with Thiago, i think he won everything uh, with barcelona and bayern munich well pretty much everything and he came to liverpool and look i don't want to question the guy's motivation but it just seems he's coming along and just okay this is my next club i'm just i'll, I'll keep playing football well i think someone at that age needs to come in which we've seen with Cavani. Cavani has that winning mentality and that attitude to always not improve, but he's driving f- towards something. He, he sort of demands success. Whether Verratti would do that, I'm not quite sure. I don't. I haven't followed the, followed the guy's career too much, but um, that type of footballer, yeah, plays in Germany, Italy, Spain, France, wherever. Um, yeah, I'd definitely definitely take that risk if it was me.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I can't disagree. Look, I could make a case to defend Thiago, but he plays for Liverpool at the end of the day, so I'm going to save five minutes of everyone's time.
0: Well, if it wasn't Varadi, then other name, which I probably mentioned on the last podcast as well, and I'm not saying this from a point of view, I want United to go out and sign him, but if our midfield situation did change with a Paul Pogba leaving or a Fred leaving, I watched in the first two games, but especially against England, I can understand Darren Fletcher's um, comments and United's Sort of public admiration for John McGinn. He is someone that always impresses me. I can see something there. I can see why United do like him. Now I'm not saying go out and sign John McGinn for fifty million pound, but if the situation did arise where we lose two midfielders, I think he's a very good addition.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I agree with that. I like John McGinn. I always have. Like when you when you watch him play, you can just. I've got time, and I know very much you do as well. And I think it's probably why people don't understand your obsession with one mutter. Players who can actually think about the game, like they, they get the ball and they already know what their next move is going to be before the ball even comes to them because they've already created a pattern of play in their head. John McGinn's that sort of player. He, You can just tell he's he's always looking around him. That's why like the, the likes of Michael Carrick, the one matters. Sure, they're not always brilliant on the eye, but players like McGinn, the ones who, yes, of course, we, we all our eyes get caught by the dribbler, the, the fantastic goals. But those who can actually read the game with their minds, like that's the most difficult yet simple, simplistic art of football. And I've got time for players who can do that. And John McGinn's that sort of player.
0: Yeah, no, nah, definitely. Well, moving on to the next question, which kind of goes a little bit past the Euros from George on Facebook goes, will the Euros affect the preseason preparation for our players involved? And if so, should we be, be surprised if we start the season as roughly as we did last year? I don't think it will be as bad as it was last year because I remember players had maybe one or two training sessions before the season started. Mm. I don't think it will be a case of that. But you do have to look at it and say we will have a fair few players coming, coming back from the international tournament, whether it be the Euros or Fred and Cavani over in South America. So yes, I would say it could be a difficult preparation. However, I do say that in regards to, well, other teams are going to have the same situation. I think there's maybe only Arsenal have maybe only three or four players at the Euros. Um... I think Chelsea have the most. So I think Chelsea might be the biggest sort of detractors from that. And I think from an Arsenal point of view as well, I think the African Cup is this year, or the, in January. Mm-hmm. I think they they have quite a strong African contingent this year with Pate, Pepe, Aubameyang, etc. So, um, yeah, Arsenal might sort of, maybe the ones who start the season quite strong, but sort of have their annual Christmas sort of collapse. But um, from United's point of view, do you see it as a... I'd say concern um,
1: our potential preparation for the next season. Um, I don't think so because I can't see any side with the with United players really getting that far. I mean, England would be the the greatest concern probably, and Portugal. Um, I think if Pogba, like the way Pogba plays for France, doesn't really concern me. He he doesn't have to. I don't think his work rate is as high for France as it is for United, and that's not a criticism. I'm not saying he's lazy, but I think he he really benefits from the Kante in behind who can really do a lot of the legwork. I think Pogba gets a bit more of a freer role, so I, I don't really worry about exhaustion in terms of four weeks off. I think the concern comes if England and Portugal both go deep into the season, then you you obviously your concerns are Rashford and Bruno. You just you you look at what the those two men produced this season irrespective of if they were good performers or not, their influence is unquestionable. That's where the concern is. I don't, based on what I've seen from both sides, I, I don't see either of them going too far into the competition so so far, you have to say. I, of course, Portugal are capable. So um, to answer George's question, I'm not concerned, mate, because I think they'll they'll both probably get knocked out the round of 16th.
0: Well, in regards to a concern, there's definitely no, no concern over Jaden Sancho's fitness, is there? Because he's not getting a sniff in for England, so he'll be coming back to United nice and fresh.
1: Oh, you had to drop the name in, didn't you? I thought we were going to go podcast Jaden Sancho free here.
0: But why isn't he playing? Like, surely this game against who they got, Czech Republic, a lot of people maybe might know the result by the time they listen to this. Um, it's about 24 hours until they play the Czech Republic. Surely Jack Grealish and, look, I would be playing Sancho over Sterling. Um... But surely he has to change something after that performance against Scotland.
1: Yeah, he does. Um, but in saying that, look, you got to be honest. Like, do you really give a shit about England? Like, I, I just I enjoy watching them kind of fall apart. I really do. It was really nice watching Sterling have a bad game and Harry Kane do absolutely nothing.
0: How much do you want to bet, there's been so much talk, there's been absolute circus around Tottenham and their managerial situation, how much do you want to bet in two weeks' time when Tot- when England get knocked out, Gareth Southgate gets announced the new Tottenham manager?
1: Oh my gosh, can you imagine?
0: I'm not imagining, I'm telling you, I can put, bet my house on it, I can guarantee that's going to happen.
1: Can, can we put a bet on right now? You sound very confident, I don't see that happening.
0: How can not you see that happening? I, I'm sure of it. it, it sums Tottenham up to a T.
1: I think Gareth uh, Southgate's two reserves. I think Tottenham have always been a play on the front foot sort of team. Which the 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 yeah, the appointment of Mourinho. Name, I, I take that. But that's why it was such a shock. Like Tottenham for look, we all laugh at them and we will continue to do so, but they've always been such an attacking team. Um so I can't say it. I think Gareth Southgate's kind of he's in the wilderness, isn't he? He's somewhere in the middle. He's he just doesn't have the balls for it. Like you look at the way England play. There's been games where they should really just bomb it forward. He doesn't have the balls to do it. And then there's other games where he should be compact and defensively sound and he gets stuck like, oh, but I want to play my attacking players. He just looks like a deluded bloke. You know what? Now saying that out loud, if he's deluded, maybe he should be manager of Tottenham.
0: We'll going and we'll quickly move on now to um, Elliot on Facebook um, through a questions. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but there's a little bit of a different angle to it. So in regarding Fred's form for Brazil, is it just another example of our system defining the players that are in it and could a good centre-back unlock our midfield? And I think this will pose sort of... No, nothing's the, unlocking Fred. ...the centre defence um, debate. But just your thoughts on that?
1: Well, are we seriously talking about unlocking Fred?
0: No, no, I, I just think that it, like in terms of we see, which we've touched on a little bit before, but we see someone perform well for their international team and we say, well, is there something wrong with our system? Why isn't that player capable of performing like that in a red shirt? Uh, well, it's not maybe a criticism of Solskjaer, but what is that national team manager doing for that player that, that Solskjaer is not doing? Now, that it might be the opposite. Maybe someone is performing better for Man United than the national team, then you could say... Well, what is the national team manager not doing that Solskjaer is doing so it does flip both ways but when you do that when you do go to a center back um, position or the center back aspect of that debate yeah unlocking unlocking is a term that it's look we definitely use with Paul Pogba but do you think yeah a better center back partner a better center back pairing is going to produce better performances from the likes of our so-called weaker players in
1: Fred and Oh. <sighs> Nah, mate. Uh, look, I'm sorry. I'm just still laughing about unlocking Fred. I'm like, you know what I compare unlocking Fred to? It's like saying, like, I can't wait to unlock Crash Bandicoot when he's the main character of the bloody video game. Like, I'm sorry. Like, we're talking about unlocking Fred. I can't move past that point. Like, what is that unlock with Fred? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Fred is Fred. Like, Fred's Fred's a solid player. Fred is a squad player. Do better. Do players look better with better players around them? Absolutely. But if we're resorting to we're going to get a top centre-back so Fred can play better, we've got problems. Like, we need to sign an elite midfielder. That's out of question. I don't care if we sign Varane or we don't sign Varane. You, you, you get that elite defender in, that doesn't mean Fred's going to be the solution to United winning a premiership. He needs to be a squad player.
0: I don't think the question's about unlocking Fred. I, I think it's just in general in terms of, okay, Fred's one player. But whoever that player is, and look, we obviously always do throw the debate around Paul Pogba, Mm. but is the answer to our midfield solution, is the answer a new midfielder, or is it actually, look, which all sort of the old adage of defences win titles, is it starting from the back and a centre back is more important for our midfield, and we could go back to Nicky Butt's comments that we don't really need to invest there.
1: I think it's both, to be honest. Like like Victor Lindelof, when you look at weaknesses in his game, is playing out the back something that comes to mind for you? Like it's not for me. He's actually quite good on the ball, so I, I don't buy into that. I think that we need it we actually need a good midfielder because where we're breaking down is when the ball actually gets to Fred. It's not when the ball's with Harry Maguire or the ball is with Lindelof. It's getting to Fred and then Fred's losing the ball with his back to goal. That's the concern. Well, speaking
0: of defenders, we'll move on to the last question that came in from Ahmad on Twitter, which your a name we haven't mentioned, but it's um, obviously big time in the news at the moment, Sergio Ramos. Mm. Um, Sergio Ramos, should we make a move on him? Um, Undoubtedly. He his answer already. And yeah, look, Ahmad says yes, you say yes, and I'll have my view on why it's a definite yes as well. He's just... I don't know if... Look, maybe someone's shouting their name down their phone at the moment. I can't name a better defender over the last decade in world football. And look, I understand the age debate. I fully accept that. And that is something that would need to be considered. But he is so good. He, he's, as I said, the best defender of the last decade. And not just good in terms of his defending ability. He's a winner. He's someone who wouldn't be coming in to collect a paycheck. Okay, He could easily get what he wants at Real Madrid. He, he would be coming in to win things. And we, we've questioned the mentality of some of our players so much in the past. And i have never, I've never going to turn my nose up at a player of, the, of that calibre and a player... How many Champions Leagues has he won? He's won four Champions Leagues. He won three on the bounce. And um, look, I understand there's a debate around his age and maybe his fitness, but it would be ludicrous to not be in the discussion for Sergio Ramos. Now, I don't think it'll happen. I think he'd probably potentially be nailed on to go to PSG. But when you look at what Thiago Silva did for Chelsea, I'm not saying Thiago Silva was brilliant, but people questioned that signing when he came in and he leaves with a Champions League trophy. So I'm not saying we're going to win a t- Champions League with Sergio Ramos, but it's stupid to just say, oh no, he's too old, he, he won't make it in England. He is that good, he will make it wherever he plays.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Look, he like I understand the concerns around, you know if United want to play a high line, is Ramos the one you want in there next to Maguire? But you know what, you have to look at what he brings in terms of leadership, um, the accountability he'd bring to the side. I think United really like that. You know, we talk about Bruno being a leader, but Bruno also loses the ball 20 times a game. Sergio Ramos will hold people accountable. You know, when when you're talking about, you know, that that Europa League final, do you think United have a... Do you think United concede the type of goal they conceded with Sergio Ramos in that defence? Like, there's not a chance... You know what I mean? Like I just—he lifts the level of every player because he'll demand more out of every player. He'll demand the best from every player. Uh, you you talk about work ethic off the pitch. You know, it's something that you'd expect from every elite footballer, but it doesn't happen. You know, if you can bring in a winner, that's what you need to do. Like we've had this debate around: Do United have enough Premier League winners in their side? You don't have to bring in Premier League winners. You just have to get people who have who know how to win, and Sergio Ramos knows how to win.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. There was a good argument. I remember when Leicester won the title, everyone was saying Leicester they'll fall away because they they don't have that Premier League winning experience. But I remember reading a good article at the time saying, well, half the squad had won the championship, like the obviously um, the league below. Yeah, and again, that's winning. Winning is winning. Doesn't Absolutely. Matter what level it is.
1: One hundred percent agree with that. But,
0: and just on the last thing on Ramos, and I think I'm guilty of this. We're both guilty of this as well, especially in the Maguire debate and finding that partner. As we say we need a quick centre-back to pair him up we've used the debate, the comparisons when Eric Baye comes in and how that potentially changes how we play. But in regards to Sergio Ramos and say, OK, he might be too slow to partner Maguire, I think we get caught up, and look, I'm guilty of this as well, but we get far too caught up in the, the pace debate because let's go and buy a quick centre-back. Okay? OK, that's the answer to our problems because now we've got a good partnership of Harry Maguire and a quick play next to him. Well, that quick play might have all the pace in the world but he'll lack in other areas of his game. It is a balance. It's almost that old video game where you have a certain amount of points and you have to give them out accordingly. Sergio Ramos might be quite low on the pace sort of scale on a FIFA rating, but he makes up for it in other areas of his game. So look, I understand the pace is an issue for some people, but his attributes elsewhere in his game are so much above the other players around him. It'd be a no-brainer. Now, i say that again. I don't, don't see a world where he does join Man United. I think it is PSG. But yeah, I'll be all over that sign. And especially on a free transfer, you'd have to. You'd. I'll be shocked. And I'll be disappointed. I don't want to use the word disgusted. But yeah, I'll be disgusted if United aren't having a chat with him right now.
1: I would just sign him up alone for the thought of Sergio Ramos paying next to Baye. Bayi does a bicycle kick and just seeing what Ramos does to him in retaliation of that.
0: Well, Ramos will probably try and outdo him. He's a player who can do the bicycle kick as well, but there is one thing he'll connect with the bicycle kick. Eric Bay will do the bicycle kick and air swinger swing it completely.
1: Can we also highlight that the Scousers hate Sergio Ramos? If that's not reason to him enough, I don't know what is. Oh, well, yeah, he's definitely... And that's part of, I think,
0: why he would be such a good signer, not because Liverpool hate him, but he is that player who other fans hate, and that is that almost a very good hallmark of what a good Man United player is.
1: No arguments from me.
0: Um, and just quickly, imagine just through sort of two little lines as well, um, Greenwood and Foden any day of the week. I'm uh, always well, saying Greenwood is better than Foden any day of the week. Just on that, in regards to Phil Foden, I thought quite played quite well, especially in the Scotland game. But was the one who Gareth Southgate took off. Mm. But he is a player who's caused a lot of um, headlines throughout the Euros, mainly down to his haircut. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, it's all it's all good praise for Phil Foden, but not for Paul Pogba and other players. But um, just your thoughts on that and. Um, I'd just bring that up in regards to the fact that, well, Phil Foden's there creating all these headlines and playing for England on the world stage. Mason Greenwood's not there. But you look at what England have maybe missed, Mason Greenwood would be a strong addition going into this last game against Czech Republic where they need a goal. Are
1: we asking who's better? I think Mason's better.
0: Well, it's it's one of those ones, yeah, that, well, who, who is better? But I'd say, look, we've had this... I, I always come back to it and I hope everyone's not bored of it. But I say Andres Pereira is a better footballer than McTominay, but McTominay is better. And I'll use that very similar with Phil Foden and Greenwood. I say Phil Foden is a better footballer, but if I'm picking one player, I'm picking Mason Greenwood because I think Mason Greenwood is far more dangerous to the opposition.
1: Who's a better footballer, Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo? But who are you choosing?
0: Yeah, no, yeah, it's a, oh, yeah, it's a good old debate. But um, yeah, I think you agree with both Matt and I that um, yeah, it's Mason Greenwood. But I'm also glad that Mason Greenwood's not there um he's out of the limelight. hopefully he, well he was supposedly pulled out through injury mm. but hopefully he gets a full fit and a uh, full pre-season under his belt and um is going in under the radar cuz he did finish off the season quite well look here we got our player of the season on the podcast so um in my opinion while I'm disappointed not to see him there i am maybe sort of subconsciously a little bit glad that he isn't and he is flying under the radar a little bit and players like Phil Foden, Sterling, Mason Mount, Jack Grealish they're getting all the attention, and hopefully a little bit more pressure on them next season.
1: Yeah, look, and this isn't because he's a Manchester City player. I just I think when you're talking about the best players in the world, it comes down to goal scoring. Who's going to score you more goals in clutch moments? And I, I think it's Mason. Well, I don't think it's definitely Mason. So no arguments there. I think Bruno. Uh, Bruno. Ma- Mason's the the player I'd be choosing all day long.
0: Definitely, just back on the Euros, maybe just to finish up the podcast. Another question from Ahmad: um, What has been your match of the Euros so far? France Germany was a cracker, I think. From a quality point of view, France and Germany was um, very good. I think for me though, the um, France and Portugal game, just no, not France and Portugal, Portugal and Germany, sorry, um, was yeah, it was a weird game because Portugal scored on the counter quite early, and you thought, okay, here we go, Portugal are just going to sort of steamroll them a little bit, and everyone has sort of maybe been sleeping on the Germans a little bit. But suddenly Germany turned into Germany and absolutely wiped the floor with Portugal. And now we're suddenly looking
1: at Germany and going, are they going to be favourites to win the Euros maybe? Yeah, I think they're definitely capable, you know. Um, You you look at what they did against Portugal and you know what, a good team, the the, the hallmark of a good side is they can expose the weaknesses of another good team. And that's exactly what the Germans did. If you look at Portugal, particularly with Cancelo out... They look really weak um, in the fullback positions, and Germany just rinsed them all night long. It didn't matter what Portugal did. And can we just talk about, Tom? Like, the Portuguese side, they look very disjointed, don't they? Like, in with possession, they just, they're all over the shop. Like, you, you look at that midfield, and you'd think it, they should be dominating games, really. Bruno's being played in a three-man midfield. He looks all over the shop. So, it's interesting, isn't it? And when we talk about that argument of, you know, play that three-man midfield, a Bruno and a Pogba, well, Bruno's getting that opportunity for Portugal and he's not looking great.
0: Well, here we were a week ago saying Portugal are both our favourites to win the Euros and look at us talking a
1: couple of days later. I oh, know, I take your point. And even against Hungary, like... Cristiano Ronaldo pulled out some magic, but they, they didn't play well outside of those goals. So I
0: think in both their games, especially sort of the way the Hungary game was going where they weren't scoring, they weren't scoring, and the clock was ticking down, obviously eventually they did get the breakthrough. Yeah. Sort of the floodgates did open, but against Germany, I think a bit of panic started to um, sort of creep in, and when that panic creeps in, you do, sort of, as a team and as individuals, sort of stray away from the game plan and you stop doing the basics. And if you stop doing the basics against a team like Germany you will be exposed. And I think it was more of just a mental thing where they said, oh, hang on, we're 2-1 down, we're 3-1 down, we're 4-1 down. And they just started to panic and Germany just got a foothold in the game. When you got players like Tony Cruz dictating play, they're going to run rings around you.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like When we did our preview for the Euros, we sort of, well, you know what? I won't even pull you in with me, Tom. Uh, I said that they have old legs and and I, I stick by that. I think that's why they won't win this competition. But in saying that, Experience can win your games, um, and you know you only have to look at Italy to say, you know that's that's an older squad. But for like the, they the you wouldn't argue with anyone who said they're the favourites now to win the whole thing. So, yeah, look, Germany can win it. They're definitely capable when you look at their roster. But I don't know. I just I just feel like there's something missing. I don't know if it's the age factor. I don't know if it's a lack of. World class striker, just something just isn't quite there for
0: me. Yeah, it will be interesting. The main thing from that group, that game, um, sorry, not that game, the France and Hungary game, did you see that game and the crowd? I don't oh, know. Oh, so good. How did we watch the game before? When the, for how long have we been watching games behind closed doors? Was it 12 months, 18 months, whatever yeah, it been Yeah, 12 months, yeah. And um, how have we done it? Because I sort of got in the habit of, it's nothing to me. I sort of, I don't know what everyone's complaining about. It's still football on the field. But when you do see a full stadium, in that sort of manner and how sort of passionate the fans were. You think, oh, my God, what have we been missing out on?
1: Well, not just that. Um, The way it elevates the players, I think the quality of that game... Oh, Hungary don't. hungry don't get a point from that game without them. That's what I'm saying, mate. Like the the factor is, and if you just think back to some of the boring games we watched throughout the season, you put fans in that crowd, it just gives you that extra two percent. There's nothing like adrenaline from a roaring crowd, and that's what we've really missed out on. Um, I think some games, definitely through the Premier League, where you've seen it's just been played at an exhibition level, but. You're seeing the difference with fans, mate. Get them back in. And I hope it can happen in time for the Premier League launch. Because obviously there will be a time when we preview United. But United leads first off the bat. We haven't had a chance to talk about the draw. Mate, if that's not a game that you want a full pack to Old Trafford, geez. Well,
0: I don't even think we need a 75,000 seater for that. I think we just need, remember the last game of the season and where Cavani scored that chip. It It was against Fulham, was it? Um, yeah, only get 10,000 in there, it will make a difference, especially in a game like that. Yeah. Not only a game like that, but our opening game of the season almost almost has like a bit of a cup final feel always. And I think yeah, if we do have fans in that game, look what we did to Leeds behind closed doors at Old Trafford last season. But bloody hell, Scott McTominay was at a hat-trick after two and a half minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely cannot wait for that game against Leeds. But um, we'll wrap up the podcast because I'm sure we'll have many podcasts leading up to that Leeds match. But um, is there anything else? Football related or Man United related, you want to touch on before we say our goodbyes?
1: No, I think let's leave it there because they, we're, we're still, we're just under two months away. And you know what? That's a positive. We're only two, we're under two months away from that opening match against Leeds. So there'll be plenty of time to talk about United, plenty of time to rip into boring transfer rumours that won't eventuate. So, no, I think let's leave it there, Tom. And uh, I think we'll talk about United later this week, eh? Hopefully uh, with a signing, finally, maybe, hopefully.
0: Well, Tom Heaton will be the first signing. Can you imagine what the reaction will be when he gets announced as our first signing of the season?
1: Oh, anyway.
0: <laughs> I think that's, that sums up their reaction there. But um, a big thank you to the listeners for sending, our, sending their questions in for us to discuss. Um, created a bit of a good discussion, especially um, Elliot's question um, has definitely rattled Larry regarding Fred.
1: Yeah, I still can't believe we're talking about Unlocking, Fred. I'm, I'm going to have nightmares about
0: that. Okay, but until then, again, a very big thank you to all our listeners for sending those in and all your support in the last couple of weeks. Um, it's very truly appreciated. Um, make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app so it just appears in your podcast app. You don't have to go searching for it. Um, that would be great. And until then, hopefully everyone has a good week and we'll be back on Thursday or Friday to... Um, Discuss England's disgraceful exit from the Euros.
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed me.